Well, good morning, church family. Welcome to another live stream service at the well on Sunday, September 20th. Just every of you choosing to just join us this morning, and we know that many of you actually join on time at 10 o'clock, and that's wonderful, and some of you obviously are just based on your circumstances need to watch it later, but whenever you're watching it, we're really happy that you uh, just join us each uh, Sunday morning. So another beautiful day in Ojai, but you know, we were reminded this morning really about the true beauty that we experience in life is not just living in Ojai, but living in the kingdom of God. We are members of his kingdom right now. Right now at 10 o'clock or 10.01 on Sunday morning, you are a member of God's kingdom. You are a member of his body. And that is something to rejoice in today, particularly really in light of just all the consternation that is going on in the world, in our country, even in our community, there really is just a lot that just can distract us and draw us into looking for answers, looking for peace, looking for uh, just even meaning in things other than Jesus. And we just strongly encourage you this morning to turn your heart to the Lord, turn your eyes to the Lord. Let's look at the one and the only one who is the truth and the life and the way to uh, everlasting life with God and the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in you and in me this morning. So I want an honest answer, and I'm looking, I'm watching you. How many of you, I want you to raise your hand if you were more aware this week of lying. All right, uh, everybody, uh-oh, almost everybody in this room raised their hand. Was, was this an amazing week? Seriously, that message last week was really convicting. I mean, it just got me thinking so much about not big lies. I don't lie big, I, hopefully ever, but certainly very often. But the little ones, it's the little things that I was so cognizant of during this week. And again, just what an opportunity that we're having in these weeks ahead, looking back and building on the foundation of what we learned in Ephesians 1, 2, and 3, and beginning to apply it, apply it to our daily life, living. How do we live in the, in the truth, in the light of the fact that we are seated in Christ? So more of that today to come in uh, Richie's sermon and time of worship and time for prayer. So I just want to turn over to Randy now for uh, leading us into offering. So have a wonderful day today. Good morning, church family. It is an honor to uh, join you for this giving segment of the service again. I uh, want to remind everybody that we take snail mail at 1290 Grand Ojai. We've got an online giving opportunity on both the app and the website, as well as the mail slot in the front door. For those of you, we so appreciate seeing you uh, when we're here or through the camera as you, as you come and approach the with a smile to leave your giving. Uh, the kingdom is so reliant on our obedience to return a portion of what the Lord has blessed us with to him for his kingdom purposes. It is such an honor and a privilege to just take a, a brief look into our own lives at the many blessings, uh, not necessarily financial, but eternity with him. It is just a tremendous opportunity to sit back for, it doesn't take long to flood your mind with all that he's done for us. Let's pray this morning for that giving. Father, we are so privileged 
so privileged to return that portion to you, Lord, to remember, to remember you, remember all of your sacrifices for us, all of your daily inclusion in our lives, all of the reliability that we have to lean on you in all circumstances, Lord, and the privilege that it is to to evaluate our lives and what you've put on our heart to return to you. We just praise you and thank you for the kingdom purposes that your resources are um, used to facilitate uh, missions around the world and missions right here in the Ojai Valley. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Today's scripture reading is Psalm 31, 3 through 5. For you are my rock and my fortress, and for your name's sake, you lead me and guide me. For you take me out of the net they have hidden for me. For you are my refuge. Into your hand I commit my spirit, and you have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. So once again, our prayer this morning is that you would just fix your eyes on Jesus. Do this song that we're about to sing and do this sermon. Pray that you would just take a deep breath if you need to, and to forget the things of this world. It's crazy. And so for just the next hour, pray that you would worship uh, through song and through scripture, and that you would just fix your eyes once again on Jesus, our hope and our salvation. Let's worship together.
Good morning, church family. Hope you enjoyed that little intro to our uh, meet and greet this morning. And that is what we're going to do right now. So again, get your phones out or emails ready. But uh, had a little warning this morning. Uh, I know many of you are, are watching on your own, you know, personal devices. And when you get a bunch of emails or texts, it often disconnects you guys. So if that's happening, you should just let your friends know, hey, maybe later, even though we're all excited to say hi to each other. So just be mindful of that uh, as we're meeting and greeting this morning. And again, you know, this goes beyond just this morning uh, of, you know, loving on one another. So, you know, something we can do throughout the day, throughout the week, just to check in with each other. So um, let's do that this morning as we meet and greet. And now Tyler's got some announcements. Thank you, Jordan. Um, Good morning, church family. Like I always say, I miss and love all of you very much. Um, I'd just like to invite each and every one of you to this Wednesday at the well. We are changing the time. It's at 6.15. Come and join us. We're just going to worship and dive in the Word together. Um, So I encourage you to come and also bring your own chair. And also, too, I want to let you know we don't have the registration, but we do have the waiver. So waiver, and that will show us that you are coming. So you can just click on that, and we will know that you're coming. So please come and join us this Wednesday at 6.15. Now the men's and women's um, ministries have a short video for you, and then Kingdom Kids will close us out. Hello, men, brothers at the well. Uh, This is Mark Bodycomb, and uh, I wanted to remind you, all of you men, that we currently have two uh, Zoom men's groups going every week. One is on Tuesday, one is on Thursday, and they both meet from 8 to 9 p.m., Uh, We're close to finishing up the study that we're doing right now, and sometime in early to mid-October, we'll be starting a new round of uh, studies with those two groups on Tuesday and Thursday, and we'd love to have some new men join us. Um, The times that we have together really are just a wonderful time of fellowship, of relationship building, of learning, of really growing in our faith together. 
So if you're interested in joining in a group uh, starting in uh, early to mid-October on a Tuesday or a Thursday night, we meet, like I said, for an hour from 8 to 9 p.m. We would really enjoy and love to have you uh, join in. So if you are interested, feel free to just contact me at mark at ovcfchurch.org, and I'd be happy to help facilitate getting you into one of those groups. Thanks. God bless you. Hello everyone, I'm Kathy and I am serving you as the lead of women's ministry still and I uh, want you to know we haven't had much activity this summer but we're starting out this fall with a new team for women's ministry and that includes myself, Katie Walker and Tracy Brooks and we just wanted to let you know that we're here for you, we think of you, we're strategizing and planning um, and ways that we can serve the women of the church. So Katie and Tracy are both are gonna say a word to you now. Hey, good morning friends. My name is Katie Walker and I'm really excited to be joining Tracy and Kathy in serving you ladies on the women's ministry team here at The Well. Um, our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped as we follow along in this church-wide pursuit um, to be passionate followers of Jesus Christ, compelled by his love to make disciples of all nations for the glory of God. And the primary way that we'll be pursuing that together this fall is through Bible studies. Um, one of my favorite Bible teachers, Jen Wilkin, she says that the heart cannot love what the mind does not know. And one of the reasons I appreciate that reminder is because really it's an invitation for us to join together in community to study God's word with the primary purpose being um, to know the character of God more intimately. Um, it's worthy work digging deep into his word and knowing not only what it says about us, but first and foremost, what it says about God. And in so doing, um, trusting that as believers, the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us and he's gonna do the work that only he can do, which is to teach and to guide us. Um, our studying, of course, is not merely for the pursuit um, of knowledge, but for the purpose of more fully and deeply loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbors as ourselves. So we are really looking forward to studying God's word with you this fall. We have quite a few study groups who are meeting on various days, various times via Zoom or in person, whatever you are most comfortable with. Um, so for more information about how to get involved, you can email Kathy Bodycomb. Uh, her email address is kathy at ovcfchurch.org. So we are looking forward to studying God's word with you this fall. Hey everyone, my name is Tracy Brooks. I am now on the women's ministry team and I'm so excited to get to meet each and every one of you. And we're gonna be having some fun projects coming along the way and Bible studies. And I just want to encourage you and pray with you. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity to uh, be together as women, and we just pray for the connection that we're going to have. And Father, we just ask your blessing over each of the times we meet, and we just ask that you would be preparing each of the women's hearts, whether they can mentor, Father, whether they can lead, whether they can assist, whether they can help. Father, we just ask that you would just put your blessing over each of us, and we just thank you for this opportunity in this new season, and I just thank you for this opportunity. Amen. God bless you all. Look forward to seeing you soon, and have a wonderful Sunday.
I'm up in the plane. I'm really excited. This pilot's so cool. He gave me his friend Charlie's backpack. Now backpacks are all different for learning. School is for one, hiking. This one's for a special thing you're going to see me do in a moment. I took some classes and I learned some great things. I'm so excited. All right. Well, we were talking about folders. Why are folders so important? Well, they're handy and they're convenient ways to keep all your schoolwork together. You can use different folders for different subjects. Folders hold everything you've learned, and they're a great resource to help you review for a test. Here's another folder I want to share with you today. One you keep in your head. It's a folder of memories of all the good things that God has done for you. We've all had different life experiences, and in our lives, we will all see God at work. All the good in the ones where you don't get your way. But you will remember and you will find out how God is faithful to all of us. And in turn, you can help stay faithful to him. The Bible itself is a collection of memories of God's faithfulness from Noah to Abraham, from Joseph to Moses, Joshua to Samuel, David to Jesus. We see how God loves us and has been faithful to those who love him. That's how God wants us to use our memories of him. We're all going to face challenges in life. They will only grow bigger as we grow older. And we need to store all our memories of God's faithfulness so that when we are put to the test, we can stay faithful to God. Okay, I hear my name being called. Just a moment, I'll be right back. Kingdom kids, just me, I'm skydiving. It's beautiful up here. Well, here's my backpack on my back. Different kind, but sometimes you'll be forced with peer pressure. Temptations to go, to do the wrong thing so you can fit in. So how will you stand strong and stay faithful to those challenging times? First, you need to study God's word. Read about all the things God has done for his people. Read about how he has promised and then sent Jesus to die for our sins. Read the words of men who loved God and were faithful to God and see how God always took care of them. Second, save your own memories of God. Log them in your heart. Go one step further and write them down. Whatever it takes, find a way to save and remember all the times God has blessed you. Oh, that's a long way down. But I feel blessed. It's beautiful. God's creation is everywhere. You will be thankful you have them and all the memories you've written down or stored in the notebook in your head when the world tests your faith. All right. I'm ready to get down on the ground. Oh, I see that squirrel. I'm not going there. All right, see ya. Great week, guys. See you next week. Well, good morning. That was very enjoyable. I was trying to figure out how how high up she jumped to talk for three minutes. I think she jumped from the moon or something. It was like, 
I was kind of scared for, <laughs> for how quick the ground was coming up. Uh, what a wonderful, uh, wonderful video. Hey, do me a favor. If you have been blessed by Kingdom Kids uh, these past several months uh, and the videos, if they put a smile on your face, if they bring joy, if they even give you a little nugget, even if you're not so young uh, anymore, uh, do me a favor. Uh, after service or sometime this week, would you send Kim uh, just a, a text or an email or a note and just let her know how much uh, you appreciate that because uh, it really is phenomenal. And, you know, um, when I look at uh, the ministry, uh, the Kingdom Kids ministry here at the well and how it's actually grown by leaps and bounds through these last several months as they have stepped out in, in faith and, and learned new technology and green screens and acting and you know, she's here every week, and it's, uh, it's actually quite funny because my office is right across from Kingdom Kids Room, and when I hear her filming, uh, or she has uh, someone here helping her film, uh, it's, it's, it's quite an experience to see Kingdom Kids be produced uh, each week. So it, it just, you know, bless Kim, and just let her know how much you appreciate her efforts because a ton goes into it, and we all benefit. We all benefit. So this morning we're going to continue uh, our series in Ephesians 4, and if you've been one with us the last few weeks, you know we've kind of in a broad sense been looking at glorifying God as we put off the old and put on the new, right? Uh, having been born again into the family of God, having become a new creation, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, having been given everything we need for life and godliness, we are called to put off the old man and put on the new. And uh, moving into Ephesians 4, uh, 25 and, and moving forward, we saw last week that uh, one pastor described it as the Apostle Paul going from preaching to meddling, right? Because, uh, again, it's easy to say, yes, I agree, we should put off the old and put on the new. And then he gets very, very specific. And last week in Ephesians four twenty five, it said this, Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Specifically, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul meddled in our life last week in this area of lying, right? And we saw that it's not just a, a blatant lie. There's half-truths, white lies, exaggerations, embellishments, omission, covering for someone, right? Shading things just a tad, right? And, and we really saw, uh, A, that... We need the Holy Spirit in that area. That, that is, you know, it's one thing to say, yeah, don't lie. I want to be a person of truth. It's another thing to, you know, leave your door, or pick up your phone and, and do that consistently. Uh, but we also saw that, that to be a person of truth is really honoring to God. We do it out of obedience. Why do we do it out of obedience? Because we love him. So we connected not lying with loving the Lord. We love him. That's why we choose not to lie, right? In the same way, we're going to move forward today. And in Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it says this, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So just like last Sunday was very kind of rubber meets the road in this issue of lying, right? This morning, it's very... Much of a rubber-meets-the-road uh, topic, once again, in this area of anger. Anger. And, you know, talking with someone yesterday, 
uh, about the current political situation and the state of the country right now, uh, there is a lot of anger out there. A lot of anger, and people are trying to process this just maybe constant sense. You know, I can't turn on the TV without getting angry. I can't read news without getting angry, even discussions, right? It's, it seems like it's so difficult just to have uh, an adult-level discussion, uh, debate, dialogue, without it now just becoming angry, and so there's a, there's a sort of this real uh, contemporary need to look at anger uh, at, in our country level. But uh, and remember, the Apostle Paul wrote Ephesians to the believer, uh, wrote this letter to the believers in Ephesus, right? That's what Ephesians is, a letter to believers. And so uh, this morning, really, I believe the focus is, is how are you dealing with anger? We understand anger in the country, but I think this morning the Lord wants to really speak to my heart and your heart about putting off and putting on, walking in newness of life when it comes to anger in my own life. And, you know, i, I got to be honest with you, this, this has um, been an area of my own personal sanctification and growth. Uh, you can probably talk to my wife and my kids, and, and I'm hoping and praying that over the last uh, 30 years of walking with the Lord, they've seen a, a big difference from the early days of dad as a young believer and all the anger issues I carried into my marriage and the early years and, and you know, in my sanctification through the years, really. Uh, you know, because quite frankly, growing up, uh, when it came to anger, yeah, I was kind of out of control. I was, I was out of control, and I have some reminders. And one of these reminders, this is back probably junior high, high school, college, where, again, I wasn't a believer, so, you know, if I got angry, woe, woe to the person that angered me and anyone else who happened to be in the near vicinity, right? And so uh, there's major eruptions, and, and I think I've shared this with, with some here, right? Big reminder for me is right here in my right hand, I don't have a knuckle right here, kind of disintegrated in one of my anger fits and trying to alleviate the anger, and I'm not sure exactly what wall or door that was, but I lost. And so uh, even today, when I, when I see that in preparation, I was just sitting right down here, and just, you know, I kind of do this sometimes, when I, and I rem, I'm reminded, and I thank God, seriously thank God for what he's done in my life in this area of anger. And, and really, what it means uh, as a believer to honor God, to glorify God uh, when I get angry, right? And so uh, I love this quote by Aristotle. It says, anybody can become angry. That is easy. But to be angry with the right person to the right degree at the right time for the right purpose and in the right way, that is not easy, <laughs> right? I mean, can I get an amen, right? <laughs> the easy, it's easy to get angry, but to do it right and, and really biblical, right, to take it out of that secular quote, but to, to, to process anger biblically, woo, that requires a supernatural work of the Lord right there, right? Some verses about anger, Proverbs fourteen twenty nine. people with understanding control their anger. A hot temper shows great foolishness. Proverbs nineteen eleven. sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. Proverbs 29, 11, fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back, 
All right? And so it's important as we move forward into these verses, just, just some framework, right? We've got to understand anger in, it, in and of itself is not sin. Okay? There are some people, even in the church, who somewhere picked that up and have lived under this uh, sort of false belief that to even get angry is wrong or sinful. And so they've actually been in bondage to experiencing an emotion that God created you with. Okay? Uh, in Exodus 4.14, God gets angry. Exodus 16.20, Moses gets angry. 2 Samuel 13, King David gets angry. Mark 3, Jesus gets angry. Okay? So, anger in and of itself is not a sin. It's what we do with it. It's what we do with it. Again, Ephesians 4.26 and 27, be angry and do not. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. So uh, sort, of a, sort of these broad definitions of anger. Uh, one person says, a strong feeling of displeasure and usually of antagonism aroused by a wrong. Another, a feeling of great annoyance or antagonism as a result of some real or supposed grievance. Then a Bible dictionary, Easton's Bible dictionary says this, the emotion of instant displeasure on account of something evil that presents itself to our view. In itself, it is an original susceptibility of our nature, just as love is, and is not necessarily sinful. It may, however, become sinful when causeless or excessive or protracted. Okay, so again, anger, part of who we are. Okay, so in and of itself, if you, if you find yourself angry in an instant, right? I mean, uh, I don't know about you, but yeah, it, to me it can be pretty instantaneous. Okay, we understand it's not sinful in and of itself. We're really concerned about what we do with it. And, and I just want to address uh, something because if you study these verses, it's very interesting because the first two words, be angry, if you look at this in the Greek, uh, the grammar is an imperative or a command. It's very interesting. And so some have, uh, kind of, if you study this, you'll come across some that say, well, I guess we're commanded to be angry. And uh, let me address that a little bit. Uh, there is what we call righteous anger. There is... in. A sense of what some call righteous or good anger. Okay, John Piper says this. Righteous anger is being angry at what makes God angry. And righteous anger is the right word order. Because God is not fundamentally angry. He is fundamentally righteous. God's anger is a byproduct of his righteousness. Righteous anger is roused by evil that profanes God's holiness and perverts his goodness. Increasingly, we care more about God's reputation than our own. Okay, so there is uh, righteous anger. In fact, one example, a common example given is in John 2, when Jesus shows up at the temple, and they've basically desecrated and disrespected his father's house with the merchants and the money changers. He gets angry and clears, clears it. Okay, that's a sense of righteous anger. And in fact, Romans 12, 9 says this, let love be genuine, abhor or hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Okay, so right off the bat here, I want to just be really clear. There is righteous anger. In fact, if you look at the culture, 
There's plenty to be righteously angry about. Okay? I'm not saying that, that you shouldn't be righteously angry. What, what my point is really is that in Ephesians 4, 26 to 27, he's not really talking about righteous anger in terms of uh, what we just talked about. What he's talking about, it's really interesting. In Ephesians 4, 26, the NIV and the NLT actually seem to, seem to hit it a little more focus in the context of this letter. Ephesians 4 in the NIV says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are angry. The New Living says this, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. So there is righteous anger, but in the context, very important. There's, you have to remember, what we, when you study the Bible, there's context. So in Ephesians 4, in the immediate context, we're talking about putting off and putting on, which means how did you used to deal with anger and how should you deal with anger? Okay, and that's the immediate context. And then it says, right, don't let the the sun go down on your anger. Don't give the devil uh, a foothold. The context of that really makes more sense in the in your anger, right? In the moments... Uh, through the day or in your relationships with various people when you get angry. Okay, that's, that, that seems to fit more the context. And in fact, as, you, as we keep going through Ephesians 4, we're going to see that, uh, as we did last week, lying affects the body. Well, so does anger. In fact, that's related to not giving the devil a foothold because ultimately anger issues cause church splits. Cause division between brothers and sisters in Christ. So just let you know, there is righteous anger. Anger in and of itself is not a sin, but in the context of Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, it appears that really it's focusing on when we get angry in our day-to-day life. What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? And I was reflecting on that, and I'm like, okay, you know, and I'm doing this, and I'm like, wow, what am I supposed to do? How do we... Uh, put off and put on in a very practical way, not just assent, not just, yeah, okay. Or, you know, sometimes uh, we, even in the church, tend to uh, ignore real practical issues because I've said this, maybe you said this, that's just the way I am. Oh, you know, uh, little Randy's always had temper issues, you know, and we, we, we try to, like, justify it, and we just say, oh, yeah, gosh, you know, I've always had a short fuse, and, you know, and, and we just kind of, you know, and no, we have to be willing to, to, to really say, Lord, can you please, I need you to help me glorify and honor you when I get angry, when I get angry, and and so I was thinking of this, and for, for whatever reason, uh, you know, I thought of my kids when they were little. Uh, it was the, the era when Barney was really, really popular. And, you know, I don't know how many Barney episodes I watched with, with my kids, right? And, uh, and one particular Barney episode they, they spoke to, and there was this song about crossing the street, right? And before you cross the street, you stop, look, and look, right? I get the. I already have the tune in my head, right? Stop, look, and listen. So I was like, "Wait, stop, look, and listen." And and I thought of that in terms of Ephesians four twenty six and twenty seven. And I'm like, "Okay, stop, stop." 
So it says in, in 26a, be angry and do not sin. Now, sometimes we gloss right over that, right? But if we stop for a moment, be angry and do not sin, suddenly I'm stopped as a Christian because anger isn't just about me anymore. See, oftentimes, uh, anger, we get into anger issues because in our perception, it's just how I feel, how I've been wrong, how I've been injured, how I need to get this out, how I need to let you know how angry I am. Anger, in many ways in our life, is about me. And even how I get it out is about me getting it out, right? So, so if we're going to stop where it says, be angry and do not sin, you know, and we know that sin means to miss the mark. So suddenly... Suddenly, when I'm angry, I have to stop because there's suddenly a mark that I can miss in that word I'm about to do, say, think. And that mark is God's word. So it's no longer just about me and venting and being angry. I have to stop and say, okay, stop. Stop, Richie. There's a line. And that line is God's truth. And I'm called to, to not cross that line. I'm called to not miss the mark when I get angry. So I have to stop. And, and I think for some, just that principle, as simple as it sounds, it may, moving forward, be one of the hardest things you're going to do. Because many of us, we, it's ingrained. I'm angry, I react. I'm angry, I speak. I'm angry, I... Right? How many of us will ever say, I'm angry... Uh, just have ever learned to say, Lord, I'm angry right now. If you just develop that, that habit, make that choice to acknowledge it before God, first and foremost, stop and say, God, I'm angry. I'm angry at this situation. I'm angry at this injustice. I'm angry at this, what this person said to me. Father, I'm just angry right now, but I don't want to miss the mark. That in and of itself will change the, the road that you're about to go down. Because you make that one choice. It's like a fork in the road, right? I'm angry. There's the self road. And then there's the God road. And right in this moment, if you stop and at least think and know you have a choice of which road to go down, you can be set free. And you might bring healing and peace in ways that you can even imagine right now. You know, I look at my my home and um, you know, you ask my wife, she jokes about this anger issue in my life. And it's like, she, I mean, she was honest with me. And if she asked her, she'd, she'll tell you, because, yeah, there was a time I didn't like you very much. <laughs> I loved you dearly, but I just didn't like you. And one of the reasons she didn't like me was, you know, she knew that when I would get angry, not just at her, but whatever things that happen in life, you know, it was kind of like clear the decks and, you know, I've shared here at the church before. I don't know if you remember when the um, animated Tarzan first came out, right? And the big gorilla who ran the, whatever you call it, the gorilla family, right? His name was Kerchak, right? And whenever Kerchak would show up, he would just be like, what happened, right? And it's funny because... I would say that at home with that exact same tone. <laughs> and my kids nicknamed me. I found out later that my kids nicknamed me for a season Kerchak. 
You're like, oh, here comes Kerchak, you know, and everyone just kind of slinks away, you know? And, and I, I, I had to own that, and I'm like, man, here I am, right? Kerchak's home, you know? And, and again, I just share this with you because growing up, there was no mark for me. When I got angry, I was just angry till I was done being angry. There was no, you know, apart from maybe breaking the law and going to jail for like destruction of property or assault or something, right? You have this big boundary. Don't cross that line. But within the not breaking the law and getting arrested, it was just like anything's fair game. And I'm going to let, you know, uh, mom and siblings, if you're watching this, I apologize. (laughs) Please forgive me for what I put you through as a crazy high school kid out of control with my anger. You know, because I had no mark. I had no, there was no standard. It was just, when I'm done, I'm done. You know, and stay out of my way until it, it's out of my system, right? Get it out of your system. And along the way, I hurt a lot of people and caused a lot of damage. Because I didn't have any marker. There was no mark. There was no stopping, right? I went from anger, anger to action immediately. Okay? John Trapp says this. It is not a sin to be angry, but hard not to sin when we are angry. Right? And I think if we're honest this morning, we can, we can agree with that. Man, man, it's hard. And that's why it's important to come back to what we've talked about over the last several weeks. You know, this morning, what difference would it make in your life and in my life if moving forward, the way we handle anger is motivated by love for God. Not out of, you know, but really like, Lord, would you change my heart? Would you help me to connect anger and loving you? Because, again, I never had that connection. And it took me a while, even as a young believer, to start to understand. Remember Jesus says, if you love me, obey me. And we, we nod, and then we rage And I never connected my obedience in the area of anger to loving God and glorifying God. And that's, again, is just a choice we make. It's a choice we make. And then I think of stop, when I was thinking of the word stop, Psalm 4610. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Again, what difference would it make in my life and in your life moving forward if when we get angry we stop, we're still, and we remember that God is on the throne. And he knows, he knows. Not only knows how I feel, but he knows maybe the injustice. He knows how unfair you've been treated. He knows what they said about you, what they said to you. He knows it all. Right? And that's Psalm 4610. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And I think about me when I'm angry. It's like if I stop and then I look, it can change everything. Because, you know, as we move into the word look, what it does is it, I stop and then I take my eyes off of the antagonist and I choose to look up first. Okay, very practical way of dealing with anger. So there's stop, and then there's look. And when I think of look, uh, Ephesians 4.26 is really, he's quoting from Psalm 4. 
Okay? And in Psalm 4, King David is under some kind of distress. Some believe it's when Absalom revolted and took the kingdom from him. Some believe that he's being slandered and his reputation is being dragged through the mud. We're not sure, but in Psalm 4, David is under distress. Huge challenges come his way, right? And in verses 4 and 5 of Psalm 4, he appears to be either uh, writing out a prayer or speaking to his followers who are supporting him and are, and are like very sympathetic. Uh, and this is what he says in Psalm 4 and verse 4 and 5. Be angry and do not sin. This is where Ephesians four twenty six gets it. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. Be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. So in the midst of this trial persecution, King David encourages himself and his followers. Hey, and that word be angry in the Hebrew, it means tremble. You ever been so angry that you started to tremble? (laughs) Well, you probably know I have. I'm just asking you. Have you ever been so enraged? You're just like... Right? He's like, tremble and do not sin. But then he doesn't just leave it there. He says, this is what you do. And this is where we get, look, ponder in your own hearts on your beds. Be silent. Offer right sacrifices. Put your trust in the Lord. He's saying, hey, tremble, but look at God. In fact, that word ponder in the amplified version is meditate. Now, Eastern meditation is emptying your mind. Biblical meditation is what? Filling your mind with God's word. So he says, hey, tremble. But rather than just reacting and rage and venting, fill your head with God's word on your bed. Go to your bed, lay there, and meditate on God's word. Do the right things and then trust God. Trust God. How many of us in our lives, when when we're angry... Honestly, it's a control issue. I may, you know, I may sort of acknowledge God is, I can trust God in this issue, but by golly, part of my anger, a lot of my anger is because I'm handling this. I'm going to handle this. I'm going to tell that person what's for, and I'm going to fix this. And, you know, I don't know if really I'm trusting God in it. I just know I'm angry, and I just need to deal with this, right? So there's this issue of, If I'm going to trust the Lord, as he says in Psalm 4 or 5, that's an issue of sort of releasing control. Control. How many of you right now this morning, whether it's with what you see in the country or something in your personal life, how many of you are experiencing a bit of anger because you feel like you're out of control? You're kind of helpless. There's nothing you can do about it. And it makes you angry, right? And when we get that way, sometimes, honestly, we call it around here, we flesh out. Because, you know, if, if I'm out of control, if it's not in my control, and I'm kind of getting bent and more worked up about not being able to do anything about it, I can slide this, this, this quickly into, well, I'm, I'm just going to... Why? Because it makes me feel better <laughs> that something's being done, <laughs> 
Even if it's by me, right? Even if it's inappropriate. And, and, and I thought of that issue of control in light of walking in the flesh or walking in the spirit. Galatians 5.16. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Verses 19 to 25. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living like that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in what? Every part of our lives. Including anger. Including anger. Right? So there's stop. I'm at a fork in the road. Self, God's way. Right? There's look. I got to look to God's word. I got to look to the Holy Spirit. All right? I got to acknowledge this is beyond me. Right? And then there's listen. And that brings us right back to God's word. Here's a couple other verses to help us uh, with God's words. Proverbs 19.11, we said it before. Good sense makes one show slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Sometimes you just got to overlook the offense. Not saying that's easy to do, but sometimes it's to your glory. It's to the testimony of the church. You just overlook the offense instead of scorekeeping. Because I'll tell you right now, once you go down the road of scorekeeping in your marriage, in a friendship, that's really hard to get out of. And that just builds more and more anger, depending on how the scores <laughs> plays out. Okay? And then James 1, 19 and 20 says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak. Slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Right? I don't know about you, but I look at that verse and I can often say I've been quick to anger and slow to hear. (laughs) Right? We're quick to react, quick to have an emotional outburst. And then then what? Then we want to (laughs) hear. Oh, sorry, honey. I, I misunderstood. <laughs> right? We got to keep that order. That, that order is there for a purpose. That order is there for a purpose. So we listen to God's word. And then we come back to Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. And we're closed by looking at two things that he says. Be angry and do not sin. We covered that. And it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now, many of you married couples, you know, probably have implemented this uh, wonderful principle. It's a good principle of trying to resolve issues, not go to sleep angry. Okay. There is a general principle here of, of, of not holding grudges, keeping short accounts, 
reconciliation, right? Uh, now, let me tell you, it's interesting because do not let the sun go down on your anger. That's not necessarily literal, right? Now, I know you, it, it's not bad to try to reconcile things before you go to sleep. But, you know, some people are like, oh, it's literal. It's not really literal because in Barrow, Alaska, the northernmost part of the territory, from May to August, the sun doesn't go down. <laughs> so I guess if you want to hold a grudge for two and a half months, go to Barrow from May to August, and you can be good with <laughs> this verse. Okay, no, that's not what we're talking about, right? It, it's a great principle. It's a principle in a marriage relationship. But here's, here's the thing, going back to Ephesians 4, I mean Psalm 4. Remember David says, ponder on your own bed? Here's the thing. Let's make it personal, especially for those who aren't married or in a relationship. Before you close out your day, bringing issues to God that you're angry about. Okay? There's an there's a individual application here, whether you're in a marriage relationship or boyfriend and girlfriend or just single. Each day, closing accounts so to speak, with God. Is there something that you're angry about? Is there something that is unresolved? Okay? So there's that. And then it says this. Give no opportunity to the devil. Ephesians 4.27. The word picture there is a beachhead. A foothold. If you're into rock climbing, a toehold. And what the principle here is in how we deal with anger is, you know what? You need to be very, very careful. Because when you let things fester, when you don't keep short accounts, it's not about you. How many of you have ever thought that how you handle anger or don't handle anger is giving the devil a foothold in your home, in your walk with God, in the church. That's weighty. That's weighty, right? Because, again, anger is, is between, you know, and it's, you know, let's say me and Bill get into something, and I'm like, hmm, I'm going to wait for him to apologize. I didn't do anything wrong. Bill knows what he did. He's just too proud. <laughs> we got an amen, right? Right? And Bill's doing the same thing, and we think it's just between us. So we have this anger, unresolved anger issue, and I'm lead pastor, and he's an elder, but we're playing church, and everything's fine, and all this, but deep down, we have this unresolved anger issue. You don't think that's going to give the devil a foothold in the well? You don't think it's going to color us? And then we're going to pray together to seek God's will for the well-being of the well when deep down I can't stand his right now? Right? It's a powerful image to think, Father, I don't want to give the enemy any place, even a toehold, even the smallest little thing to get into my marriage, into my home, into the church. Right? There was this book I read on marital conflict and the title was, uh, it was a great title, it says, why do I have to be the first to change? (laughs) 
Great title to a book on marital, because that's where most of us get. We, we, we keep score, we line up everything that's wrong with the other person, if only they would change, and we stand there in our corner, and we wait for them to change. And in some weird way, we don't associate that with giving the devil a foothold in our home. And we're going to come to church and smile and everything's fine. And we're going to try to, you know, play nice in front of the kids. But let me tell you, mom and dad, the kids know. We knew when mom and dad weren't happy. We knew when things were off in our house. Right? And, and it's such, a, such a, a very subtle thing. Right? Again, because... It may be the way that you grew up. You know, you never really had genuine reconciliation when you got angry with each other. I don't know how you were raised, but again, I was raised and I would just kind of vent and go off and, you know, do what I did. And then it would blow over. And at a certain point, I would just, me and my siblings would just start playing again. And we would never reconcile. We wouldn't, we wouldn't really discuss it. We wouldn't really grow through it. We would just kind of put it behind. And move on. And what happens in those, if you don't really reconcile, if you don't, uh, you know, have the conversations you need to have, you know, it, it creates division. You can carry bitterness and resentment and hardness of heart all the while getting along. And that happens even in the church. And that's why it's so important for us, you know, in your own life, but even for the health and well-being here at the well. We got to keep short accounts. We got to be willing to say, hey, will you forgive me? And you say, yes, I forgive you. And have true biblical reconciliation to not give the devil a foothold. Thomas Manton says this nothing makes room for Satan more than wrath. Lehman Strauss says this Satan works through that heart which cherishes anger. It is a part of his scheme to get Christians to act in malice against other believers. Elsewhere, Paul said that we were to forgive one another, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. Oh, that we Christians might learn the strategy of Satan in his evil work among the saints of God. The devil has no place in the life of a Christian, so let us beware lest we give him something to lay hold of. And that's just a choice. It's the choice we have. Every time we... We are angered. Ball in our court. And ultimately, what's the choice? To honor God. To honor God with the next thing I'm about to say or do in anger. And what's the motive? Hopefully it's to love him, Lord. I'm angry. And Lord, I need you and the power of your Holy Spirit to help me love you the most. More than I love myself. Because if I'm loving myself right now, woe to bill because you know Kerchak has come back on scene right so Lord help me to love you in my anger help me to to trust you help me to stop look and listen and so here's what I want to do before uh, we go into communion and, and just a time of reflection if you right now are at home or you're listening wherever you're listening. And you're angry. About something. You're angry. And maybe you've shared your anger 
with others, maybe only God knows. I think we can't um, let this morning go by without giving you a chance to stop, look, and listen. Maybe you were wronged. Maybe it's not fair. Maybe someone said something hurtful. But here's the crazy thing. You're angry and everyone else has moved on. And you're in bondage this morning. You think about the person, you think about the issue, and it just gets your goat. You, you, just, you just go like this, right up the anger scale again. At the very least this morning, I just want you to give you an opportunity to stop. The word confess in the Bible means to agree with. And so this morning, maybe you just need to confess and come to God, come to Father and say, Father, I'm angry. Father, I've been angry for a long time. And then confess that, Father, I've not handled it biblically. Father, I'm bitter. Father, I've not forgiven. Father, I've allowed distance between me and someone else because of my anger. Father, my anger has affected my relationships in the church, my view of the church. Father, my, my anger has now affected my relationship with you. I don't pray. I don't, I'm not in the word. I don't want a fellowship. And Father, this morning I acknowledge it's because I'm angry. I'm angry. And maybe, maybe you're angry at the current culture we're in. Maybe in your personal relationships and everything, maybe, maybe things are fine, but I'm going to guess that Many of you out there, if you're honest, you're angry about what you see on TV and you're angry about how things are being handled and you're angry about what you think might happen or not happen in the next three months. You're angry. And to you, I want to bring Psalm 4610 again. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. If you're angry about what you're seeing, there is a righteous anger. But don't let that anger harden your heart to God or to people that need to know Jesus. There's a lot of people out there that are angry that don't know Jesus. And maybe God wants to use you to bring truth and hope and grace and compassion. The way you're going to be able to do that if your heart is right and if you're processing your anger biblically. Because if you're processing it biblically, now you can be a voice. Now you can be salt and light to those who just don't know what to do. They're just angry and they're scared and they're frustrated and they're depressed and they're discouraged. And into that whole mess, you come in and you say, you know what? I have some righteous anger too. But this is, this is how God has taught me to deal with this. This is where I'm going with that. And your testimony might just change their eternal destiny because they'll find hope in Jesus through your life.
So we're going to pray. And my prayer for you is freedom this morning. Freedom as you confess this area of anger, whatever it is. Just be honest with God and ask him to bring you freedom and peace as we walk in faith and obedience because we love him. Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking truth about anger this morning. And it's very clear we're to be angry and not sin. But we acknowledge right now, Father, without you, that is impossible. We need you. In fact, Father, I'm going to guess that before this day ends, many of us will become angry at something. Before this day ends, maybe in the first hour after this video, we will get angry. And in that moment, I pray that you will remind us of your word this morning. I pray that we will stop. Stop. We have the choice. That we will look. We will look to you. We will trust you. And we will listen to your word. Why? Because we love you and we want to honor you in the area of anger in our lives. Father, right now I'm praying for that person who's listening that because you're setting them free, there's going to be reconciliation in their family. There's going to be forgiveness extended and received. I'm praying for that family, that work situation, those friendships where the devil has had a foothold and the devil will no longer have a foothold. That there will be peace and joy and reconciliation because we're handling our anger biblically. So Father, I pray for healing this morning. I pray for freedom. I pray that you would bring back the joy, the joy of the Lord into so many who have been in bondage to anger and didn't know what to do. Just didn't know what to do with it until this morning. So, Father, as we prepare for communion, we're reminded of your love. We're reminded that we're to forgive as you have forgiven us. The basis is the cross and your grace and your love. And then we're reminded that Jesus rose from the dead. And we can walk in newness of life. However we have been handling anger up to this point, right now, literally, we can choose to walk in newness of life regarding anger. We can put off the old, put on the new, right this very second. Because Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. We are born again into the family of God. We are new creations. So Father, we come to you in this time of communion. We, we sing this song. Uh, Lord, is a song of truth, but a song really of affirmation of who we are in Christ and our ability to choose to honor you in every area of our life. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
this in a recording we just we just thank you and are so grateful for your your wanting to hear the truth of the lord here from the well and the message today is so powerful as richie explained the apostle paul was writing that letter to the church at ephesus and those in the surrounding area he wrote it to every church between then and the next two thousand years including the well those that are followers of christ are able to take that information, take that word of God and that truth and apply it in sanctification of our own life and our faith. We're able to lean on the Lord, ask for guidance, ask for a way forward, ask a way to put off the old and put on the new man or woman, how we're going to react. But we would be remiss if we didn't offer an opportunity here as well. We have a prayer line, OVCF Church, at OVCF, I'm sorry, OVCF Prayer at OVCFChurch.org. And our main purpose here is to expand the kingdom of God. Everybody knows somebody in their life. Everybody listening to this may not know and have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's what we do here. We want you to time and again take advantage of the resource in this time that we're separated from corporate worship and reach out in that way 
just as fast as we can hear from you, we'll be praying immediately. If you do not have a personal relationship with Jesus, that's what we want to do. We want to contact you just as fast as we can and make that happen. Jesus loves you. We love you. That's our purpose here. Again, we want to thank everybody for tuning in, participating. We want to help you to grow your relationship with the Lord. Have a blessed week, everyone.